0: Church, there is nothing that this world offers that will give you the light that Jesus alone gives. Amen? He truly is the only one. Amen. Well, it's great to be here. It's great to have this opportunity. I'm thankful for Pastor Tim. Sorry that you've been ill again uh, leading up to a week off. Um, I wanna just see, how many of you stayed up past midnight last night? Well done for being in church. So for those of you that are around those people that just put their hands up, keep an eye on them. If they start nodding off, give them a bit of an elbow, okay? We're gonna be looking in John chapter eight if you wanna turn there in your Bibles and I'll, I'll meet you there in just a moment. Now, this has been an awesome series that our pastor has been bringing us. Uh, the serious title, as you remember, is Above All Names. And we've been looking at the various names of Christ that are so descriptive of his power and his character and his nature. It's helped us remember and focus our worship over this Christmas season. You remember, we started off this series looking at the name Emmanuel, the name we were just singing about, Emmanuel, God with us. And then we moved into a message looking at Jesus as king, the one who is over us. And then we talked about Jesus as our savior. And then today, we're going to be looking in John chapter 8 at this title. Jesus is the light of the world. The light of the world. The first of the two points is this. Is walk with Jesus. Or if you're from central Illinois, walk. Did I say that right? Walk. Or walk if you've got an English accent. Walk with Jesus in the light of the world, he is the light of the world. Look at John chapter eight, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them and he said this, listen to this thunderous, powerful statement. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Church family, this is a foundational statement that Jesus gives us in this passage that leads us to an understanding of where we're gonna go in these next few moments. He says, I am the light. In John's gospel, there are seven I am declarations. This is one of those. Here are some others. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He says, I am the good shepherd. This I am statement declares the presence of light in this dark world. And Jesus' heart is so clear from this passage. The light exposes the darkness. It shows the darkness for what it is. The light overcomes and overpowers the darkness. Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy that was given 700 years before its fulfillment in this text here today. Way back in Isaiah Isaiah 49 verse 6, it said, I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the world. Jesus is making clear in this opening verse here that two realms exist. There is the realm that Christ is offering, the realm of light. And as you begin this new year, I wonder if you're here today saying, I need that light in my life. Maybe you've come off a week of spending time with friends and family, and for many of you that has been maybe awesome and great, but for some of you, you can't wait to get back to work, that this not been a great time. In fact, it's just reminded you of the difficulties, and you're here today saying, Jesus, I need your light in my relationship with others. Maybe you're thinking as this new year begins of God's plan and purpose for your life, And you're praying, Lord, give me some light to guide my path so I know your plan for my life. Maybe it's as simple as saying, God, I want to make 2023 a year where I grow in relationship with you. The message of Christmas that we've heard throughout this series from our pastor is that Jesus came. He came as Emmanuel. He came as king. He came as savior. He came as light of this world. You don't need me to tell you that we live in a dark world. Just looking at the news, even from the last few days, we live in a sin-soaked world. Darkness results in such emptiness. We see the impacts of sin. And even in the face of overwhelming evidence, hearts are still hard, as we're going to see in this passage here today. But Jesus comes as the light and pierces the darkness with the hope that he alone can bring. Today, as we go through this next few verses, I want to give you four ways that you can respond to Jesus being the light in your life. Four steps to encourage us as we start this new year. How can I walk in the light? The first of those four steps is simply this, is to believe to believe. You're going to see the absence of belief as we look at a contrast in these verses coming up here. Believe Jesus' words. This word believe is the foundational word in the whole gospel of John. If you look all the way forward to John chapter 20, he gives this thesis statement, this statement of purpose for the whole book. I've written these things so that you may believe. It sounds so simple. It sounds so childlike. But the problem is so many people just reject that light. Instead, they want to manufacture their own light. And you're gonna see that in the contrast with the religious leaders. Look at verse 13. So the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders, said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Their rejection here in verse 13 was based upon their perception of their application of the law, the law that stated you needed more than one witness to solidify, to substantiate a claim. It's the same system for our judicial system today. Let's say you heard this week uh, that I was arrested for breaking into one of your homes at 1137 on Sunday, the 1st of January. I would have this many witnesses that would stand to my defense and say, there's no way he could have done that because he was up front in church. All of you would be my witnesses, right? Good, that was better than the nine o'clock. I only had three out of that class. (laughs) Maybe they were less awake than you guys are. So thank you for that, I have more confidence now. But here's the problem. People that are walking in darkness, like the religious leaders, They don't even know it. In fact, if you were to ask them, they would say, as they're trying to describe here, that they're walking in the light. So Jesus calls the most important witness that anybody could possibly ever bring. You can believe, you can trust, you can rest on the authority of God's word because the testimony that Jesus brings is the testimony of Almighty God. If ever you're going to bring a witness, (laughs) who's going to bring a bigger witness than that? What does it mean to believe Jesus' words? It means that we believe that the light frees us from walking into darkness. It means that we believe that we don't have to manufacture our own light, that we don't have to live the Christian life on our own strength that we don't have to wonder what our opinion should be or not be, we wanna be anchored into the light revealed in God's word. Church family, the light pierces the darkness. Look at verse 14. Jesus brings this response to the religious leaders. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going but you do not know where I've come from and you do not know where I'm going. Can you see the security in Jesus' words here? The confidence that he has in his testimony. He has known since the creation of this world, before the creation of this world, that the authority that he has and the relationship that he has with God. He not only knows where he's come from, he knows where he's going. Church family, if that's not a summary of walking in the light, I don't know what is. The religious leaders didn't know those things. But Jesus is saying here, I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going. That speaks of God's foreknowledge. Jesus in this section argues the foundation of his authority to make this claim. And you're going to see he's going to provide evidences to support that claim. And the first evidence, as they said here, is the claim of the witness of Almighty God. Look at verse 15. He said, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Here it is. You judge by the flesh. Your perceptions, your opinions, your own conviction, your own made-up, manufactured light. They're walking in darkness, why? Because they're not walking in the light of God's word. There will be a time that will come for Christ to come as judge. And we're gonna be looking at that with our pastor through the book of Revelation. But at this point here, Jesus is coming and saying, I am coming to bring light to this lost world. What a compassionate, gracious God we serve. And that's the second piece here how do we walk in the light? We believe Jesus' words, and then secondly, we understand the authority of Jesus' words. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, My wife Becky and I uh, were able to take most of this week off, and uh, we had We had kind of three different Christmases. As our older kids get older, my daughter's a nurse and worked on Christmas Day. And my son came down with our grandbaby. I've got lots of pictures if you want to see them uh, afterwards. And uh, so we had great times together. And at the end of the week on Friday, we took our two youngest, who's still at home with us, Josh and David, Uh, We took them up to Chicago, we love to go to Chicago. I grew up in a big city in England. I love to drive around Chicago. As we were driving around, uh, my youngest, David, asked, why does everybody beep? And I just said, that's the way they say hello to each other in Chicago, you know, just, how you doing? And uh, you just random beep, you can just beep anytime you like. There's such freedom, you know, with that. (laughs) Uh, But we wanted to go to Millennial Park and uh, to see the Bean, and we're walking around Michigan Ave. Uh, we had a blast. It was great. It was great that it was 40 degrees uh, at the end of December. You know, thank the Lord for that. It, it's not going to last. But anyway, we'll enjoy it while it does, right? And uh, so it's an underground parking. Has anybody been and parked at the Millennial Garage before? Don't, if you haven't, Okay. So it's a multi-story car park that's predominantly underground, several stories down, and in each story, there's about 20 different sections. So we find a spot pretty quickly, and we drive down, and we park into that, and there's this sign that's about the same size as my iPad, kind of flickering on and off, saying, exit this way. Sounds like a good plan. We're ahead for the exit, and we walk, and we walk. And we walk, one section, two sections, three sections, four sections, five, six, seven, eight. And eventually, do you remember back, we saw these other group of people, and they look at us, and we don't say anything to each other. They're like, do you know where you're going? And we look at them, do you know where we're going? But no one asks, because we're all lost. We're all looking at each other like, how do you get out of here? And I'm beginning to wonder, are we gonna starve? We have no supplies, like we're gonna be stuck in here forever. There's no cell phone service, you know, because you're underground. Eventually, after probably was a good 10, 15 minutes, we find this exit, but it's in an underground road. You know those underground roads that you've got above ground roads and the underground road? The complete opposite side of where we wanted to get out, a whole city block away. So guess what? We got to go all the way back from where we just came. If we would have just gone six more sections that way, we would have got out. We were completely lost and we enjoyed watching other people that were lost, particularly when we found our way going. Maybe we looked more confident in that way. Why do I share all of that, other than to say, don't park there? (laughs) The point is this. That illustrates what it's like living in this world, church. There's all these people wandering around, and they're completely lost. No idea where they're going. I wanna get money, I wanna get pleasure, I wanna get position, whatever it is. And they're pursuing all of those things. Church, there is nothing that this world offers that will give you the light that Jesus alone gives, amen? He truly is the only one. Jesus is the light of the world. He pierces the darkness. Understand the authority of God's word. The second sermon uh, outline point there is, so woke is the first blank. The second blank there is trust the testimony of God, the Father and God the Son, trust. Trust the testimony of God the Father and God the Son. Look at verse 16. Yet even if I do judge, again, Jesus is continuing this rebuttal to the religious leaders. My judgment is true, for I am not alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. I want you to again understand the massive statements that Jesus is making here. This claim of the witness of God the Father is saying He is equal with God. By claiming God as his Father, he is saying, I am equal with God. When you worship Jesus, we worship the name that is above all other names. Believing these truths that Jesus says about himself from this passage, that he is God, believing that he is Savior. Later on in John, we can read another I am statement. I am the way, the truth, the life. Listen, no one comes to the Father but through me. There's not many roads to God. Others may have that opinion. They may be convincing in those opinion. That's tremendous. Jesus either is a liar or he's speaking the truth here. When he says he is the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but through him. He alone is the light of this world. Let's have confidence in that truth, confidence in the authority of Jesus' words. But by contrast, the religious leaders had no such confidence. In fact, they rejected those truths. Throughout this gospel, you see this contrast of belief and unbelief. They're given clearly in this passage to show the contrast between these two. If you look in this same chapter of John, it starts off with a woman caught in adultery. Boy, of all the stories in the gospel, this has gotta be one of the most heartbreaking. So many stories and questions that we've got. How did they know? What must she have felt like when they were dragging her in public before Jesus? With their own perceptions, their own so-called authority, but they're walking in the darkness. And I love the light-filled statement that Jesus thunders to them. Let him who is without sin Cast first stone. And one by one, the text tells us, they dropped their stones, starting with the older people. What a profound statement that is, of a contrast between light and darkness. As this chapter continues, Jesus continues with this theme of light. And in the end of this chapter, he says this thunderous statement again. You will know the truth, And the truth will set you free. Oh, don't we long to be free, church? Free from fear, free from addiction, free from conviction over sin, free from uncertainty. You fill in the blank for yourself. The implication of verse 16 is ironic. And that's part of the reason for this contrast. The religious leaders who are walking in darkness speak and act as though they're the ones in authority, but actually they're speaking to the one who is in authority. Third piece of how to walk in the light, believe Jesus's words, understand the authority of Jesus's words, and then thirdly, understand the reliability of Jesus's words. We're far too enamored with our own opinions. Let's just rest upon what Jesus has said. Look at verses 17 and 18. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. The religious leaders knew some of their Bible. Clearly they didn't understand the prophecies but they understood the law here. Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15 talks about how a single witness can't be used to judge someone, that you need the evidence of two or three witnesses. And again, that's an application that we still hold to today. Jesus speaks with the authority and the witness of Almighty God. He exercises that authority. And again, if you look at the end of this chapter, you'll see that this authority influenced many, it says in verse 30. But it also speaks of the support of Scripture. These so-called religious leaders that were supposed to be experts of the Scripture... They're just making up their own judgments based upon their own perceptions, trying to trick Jesus. The whole point of dragging this lady caught in adultery was to trip him up. The whole point of arguing here, it's the same purpose. But you see, Jesus in the gospels presents three undeniable evidences to substantiate his claim. The first, as we've seen here, is his claim to be equal with God. God is my father. If you were to see a picture of my dad, you'll see that I look uncannily like him. I love my dad, I just don't want to be him. Jesus says here in this text, the father claiming that equality with God. Second key evidence that he brings in this passage here is the fulfillment of scripture. Isaiah prophesied that those things would come to pass. Jesus fulfilled that statement. And then the third evidence is the evidence of his miracles. Again, in the Gospel of John, there are seven key ones. Think about a few of them with me for a moment. Turning water into wine. In a previous ministry, I had a good friend who was, <clears throat> he had his degree, his doctorate degree in um, chemical chemicals of some sort. I don't remember what it was, but this guy was an expert. And I said, um, you're going to have to use words. We don't use big words in Bristol. You're going to have to use like everyday words that I can understand. And he basically said this, to understand this test, this uh, miracle here, you have to understand that to change water into wine is impossible, period. It, it can't be manufactured. Now You can go to the store and you can get a drink mix and put it into a bottle of water like this and you can change the flavor, maybe add a little bit of texture or whatever else that's there, but you cannot change the chemical structure of that water. Why? Because to change in the water means it's got to be fermented. Fermented can't happen instantly. It happens over a period of time. It is physically, chemically impossible to turn water into wine, and yet Jesus did that. Another one of his huge miracles. Walking on water. You remember as a kid, going as far back from a swimming pool as you could and then running. Come on, don't leave me up here. You know you did the same thing. Trying to get as many steps as you could across. But knowing, especially if you ate like I did over Christmas, that at some point you're gonna break the surface of the water and you're gonna sink. Why? Because it's physically impossible, the laws of physics mean that it's impossible for a person to walk on water. And yet Jesus did that. Maybe the greatest of all the miracles that Jesus maybe ever performed, the last one that he did in John's gospel, was raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. What's interesting in the Jewish kind of custom, they had these different perceptions about how long it took from the time a person stopped responding to when they were proven to be dead. Normal times that would be around three days. Lazarus had been dead for four days. You see that kind of filtered through in that account because Jesus, when he approaches, they say, wait, wait, he's going to smell. But Jesus doesn't whip up some kind of spell, doesn't jump up and down and screaming. He simply speaks and Lazarus comes to life. Now if we were in a court case and we were trying to prove the evidence of those uh, examples, all of us, I pray, would be convinced. And that's the fourth point of how do we walk in the light? Trust Jesus's words. Believe Jesus' uh, words, understand the authority of his word, understand the reliability of his words. And really, this is the practical takeaway application. Trust his word. Look at verse 19. Again, we see the contrast here. And they said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered them, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. How tragic it is to be walking in the darkness. These so-called religious leaders didn't even know the God that they claimed to point other people to. Jesus says here that so clearly. You don't even know the Father because you don't know the word. You don't understand the light because you're walking in darkness. You don't trust Jesus' claims because you've made up your own claims. Look at verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he told in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. The Treasury is the outer part of the courts. You remember when Pastor Tim went through the book of Hebrews and we looked at the temple, the outer courts are where the voluntary offerings would be brought. This last verse here shows that God has a plan Our pastor often uses that phrase as a great reminder to us regularly. And this plan would be that Jesus would come as the light of this world. There's an invitation for you here this morning, church family. Jesus invites you to walk in the light with him as we begin this new year. I wanna just illustrate that as we close this morning. I wanna illustrate that with the contrast between the light and the darkness. We live in a world that's so lost, it's so dark. People are wandering around trying to find their meaning and purpose, in pleasure, or success, or accomplishments. And they're coming up empty. They're insecure in those positions and trying to convince everybody else to follow along with them. There's so much fear, so much anger, so much hatred and envy. There's nothing that this world offers us that will ever truly satisfy our souls. The soul that God created to be in relationship with him. But God doesn't leave us in this darkness. You know what he does? He sends Jesus who pierces and overcomes the darkness with the light of his truth, shattering the darkness. Jesus brings light into your life through his word, through his spirit, through his son, through his church, through his creation. All of those things preaching to your soul and my soul to say we do not have to live lost anymore. Wandering in a dark world. Where are you walking in darkness this morning? Are you living with fear? Just apprehensive about the future. Jesus invites you to walk in the light. Are you living with unforgiveness? Is there things within your life that you need to just let go, that you need to give them to God? Is there patterns of ongoing sin in your life and you feel like the darkness is overpowering to you? The truth of this message here today is just like these spotlights pierce the darkness of this room, Jesus' light pierces the darkness in our souls with his truth, with his power. Let's just be still for a moment. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to just speak into our hearts and minds with one simple question. Jesus, where am I walking in darkness? Where do I need to walk in the light today? Where am I manufacturing my own attempt at bringing light into my life instead of just trusting you? Jesus is inviting you to take that step trust to lean to have confidence in him this world may seem overwhelming you may wonder about where our country and our world is going to go listen jesus has been pierced in the darkness for two thousand years and he continues to do that let's pray together